Welcome to our 59th episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your host, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. New Year, 2021. What, uh, when we're recording this, it's the day before New Year's Eve? Yes, So, this is a little belated, but Happy New Year to everybody. Happy New Year. We'll have to remember Chinese New Year. Yeah. Because, you know, different parts of the world, you know, have different parts. But here in the U.S., uh, um... It's New Year's Eve, Eve. <laughs> New Year's Eve, Eve, yep. <laughs> yes, it is. What's your plans for New Year's? Oh, I'll be going to bed probably by about 9 o'clock at night and waking up by about 4.45 to go to work the next morning. So, happy New Year. Um, I, I, I'm actually going out to the Native American Casino out here, downstream casino, and uh, plan to get pretty drunk, spend all my money, and then pass out in the, one of the hotel rooms. Hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And try not to lose all your money. Uh, I did get some, uh, I, you're, you're going to laugh at me, but did you know they sell catnip wine? No. Yeah. I'm going to bring lightning a bottle. Oh uh, man. But it, That's it, all she needs. Yeah. <laughs> you pour it into their little bowl and they drink the catnip. My cat was rolling around. Oh. Happy, happy kitty. That's all I want to say. Um, so if you guys are interested in cat nip wine, uh, there's all you got to do is Google it. And it'll pop right up. Now, we have gotten a pile of messages and, and we got to do some shout outs. I think the first shout out I want to give out to is Gene uh, Cantor. And that's K-A-N-T-O-R. Um, he served in Vietnam and Gene, thank you for your service. Yes, very much so. You know, uh, Vietnam war wasn't a good chapter in the United States history, but we appreciate that you stood up and, yes. and did what, what was asked. Yes. He was, uh, uh, you know, he was hanging out with the M one thirteens, uh, and he was actually attached with some Australians and, uh, he sent us some pictures and, uh, one we can't post because <laughs> it violates, uh, uh, Facebook standards. Oh uh, Lordy. Yeah. But it, it wouldn't be anything like a, a real human skull involved, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but we appreciated it and we we're like, wow. Yeah. So if you're wanting to see this picture, you'll have to contact us and we'll forward it up because it, it's cool. <laughs> Got the M113 and uh, him with an Australian and uh, some unfortunate person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Gene uh, had talked uh, his initial email. We had misinterpreted. He said uh, this picture was uh, about the time they were going to send us into Cambodia to battle uh, PT-76. Now, they were going to go on with a couple of M48 patents. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Tell me that you did go in and you actually had a tank battle because it's not recorded in history because, you know, there's only one recorded yeah. tank battle. And I'm like, oh, and he goes, no, no, we were going to go. And then we got sent back, you know, called back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, number one, <laughs> bonus for you. So you didn't get in a firefight because, exactly, yes. you know, that. But uh, the second thing is, 
Oh, if it had been, we'd have found something amazing. So uh, definitely thanks to Gene. Yes. Thank you for reaching out to us. And very interesting story and picture. Uh, no doubt. We also had a guy named Robert. And he, I think he was born in Germany or lives in Germany. But uh, he sent some pictures of tanks or Soviet tanks in and around Berlin that are still there. And I'm like, I didn't think there were any tank displays in Berlin. So yeah. next time my daughter flies out to Berlin, I'm going to like, hey, listen, oh, no. I need you to swing by and take some pictures. Yeah. But uh, he sent us some, and I think we should post those. I mean, yeah, we can post that's, those. That's pretty neat stuff. Yeah. Uh, but this is this from his personal camera that he just took pictures of yeah. and sent it to us. Yeah. And I'm like, he says he enjoys driving his Harley Davidson around yeah. the mountains of Germany. And I'm like, well, your life doesn't suck. Oh, man. That's cool stuff. Because right now we're dealing with 30 degree temperatures yeah. and COVID. And, man. And you're fighting a cold now. Yep. Oh, please give it to me. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Thanks. It's just what you need, Charlie. Oh, you bless <laughs> your heart. <laughs> and then we have to give a big uh, shout out to uh, Mark Doner, D-O-R-N-E-R, Doner? Dorner, yeah. Dorner, okay. He has sent us, apparently he heard our Sheridan, and he was a Sheridan driver back in the day, and he has sent us some really cool pictures. One of the best pictures that he has sent us is when they tried to airdrop a uh, Sheridan, the chutes were not correctly deployed, and it skidded off the runway after insertion, and the second Sheridan managed to fly off into the swamp and wasn't recovered until weeks later. <laughs> so he's in his picture that actually it probably floated to the top. If you look at the pictures, the writing on the wall, that's not the United States. No, it's not. Would that be Panama or El yeah, Salvador? Probably one of the two down there. You, you know, know what? We'll have to add Mark. We'll yeah. we'll post these pictures on Facebook. But uh, this Sheridan, uh, the shoots didn't deploy and it is a... Yes. Mess. Yeah. And I think you can see the broken wood. <laughs> yeah. Look at that right over there. That's why I say it probably floated to the top of the swamp, so it probably didn't take much to. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and the other one they dropped in the swamp, I don't know if he got pictures <laughs> of, but he dropped a tank into a swamp. Man. Oh, well, I'm surprised they went and got it. I know. Then they're like, you know what? These things are crap. Just leave it out there. Nobody else is going to drive that yeah. thing out. Yeah. Um. So, Mark. Big shout out. Yeah. I guess we have to give a shout out to Tony Rouse. Yeah, our buddy Tony. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tony. Yeah. Uh, he was doing the Pearl Harbor he was watch party yes, that we yeah, were in. Yeah. Talking about watch parties, did you watch that uh, World War I uh, podcast? Yeah, it was really interesting. The Western Front Association in Europe has a Facebook page where they do some Facebook live events that pretty darn good history, uh, war history, and pretty good stuff. Well, I know uh, it'll be too late by the time this broadcast comes out, but they are having a a broadcast on January the 4th about the tank corps uh, at the Battle of Amiens. Yeah. It was uh, August 8th of 1918. Um. So we're going to give these guys a shout out. Yes. They've got several events coming up in January. So even if you miss that one, you can always go back and watch it too. They post them all on their Facebook page. And yeah. And I, I believe what it is, they've got some professors from some of their local colleges that probably teach 
history, military history, and that's who's doing most of the talking. So we strongly suggest that you go onto Facebook and look for the Western Front Association and listen to some of their um, past broadcasts and upcoming broadcasts. By the time you've heard uh, this, uh, the January 4th, the tank uh, one will be already over. Yes. But we suggest that you, we're going to watch it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, we're going to check that out. Yeah. So. Um, and if anybody's got any other groups or anything they follow like that on Facebook or anywhere else that do live events like this, let us know. And we'll give you a shout out. And, and put you on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Some neat stuff. But, I mean, we're interested in all military history anyway. So Yeah, we have no affiliation with the Western yeah, Front Association. No. We just found their stuff. And I mean to tell you, the stuff that they have is amazing. Yes. I don't even know if Craig Moore uh, is connected with this or any of our other, our other historians. But if you're not, uh, please take our advice and at least watch the January 4th Tank uh, yeah. episode. Yeah. It's going to be pretty amazing. We had some other shout outs. We've had so many shout outs. Yeah. Actually, it's been a little while since we've recorded our last episode. So, I mean, we've. Yeah. We've got to catch up. Yes. And we had Jacob, and I can never say Jacob's last name. It's I Z H A K Y. He's one of our uh, Patreon users, and he had actually pointed out that one of our videos was having trouble loading. Yeah. So we're going to jump on that. Uh, yeah. Jacob, thank you so much for giving us a heads up. Yeah. Um, our Patreon is so important. Believe it or not, I'm, when it comes to the tech side of it, I'm kind of a one man show. So I got to bear with me on some of this I, tech stuff. So, um, Russell has looked at me and said, <laughs> don't touch anything. <laughs> Here, here's the mic. Talk yeah. directly into it. Don't <laughs> touch anything. I could break an anvil in a sand pile. Ooh. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to tell you another one. You Jeez. broke an anvil in a sand pile? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's a pretty good one. <laughs> that is a, a, a Ozark hillbilly saying. Uh, okay, yeah. Boy, is so bad. No offense to the hillbillies, please. I'm a hillbilly. What? <laughs> they say, that boy is so clumsy, he could break a blacksmithing at anvil in a sand pile. <laughs> I'm like, shut up. <laughs> um, let's start off 2021 with a joke. Okay. One, two. Hey, Russ, what does a sea monster snack on? I have no idea. Ships and dip. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay, okay. All right. All right. Well, that's enough of my joke time. Oh, man. Um, What else do we have to do? Oh, how about Charlie's that? really going to publish a fourth grade joke book. That's what he's after. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> You're the man. Yeah, this is my best friend, ladies and gentlemen. This is the man I travel all over the world with. So, so I guess we should just go ahead and jump up on the episode. And uh, we're going to talk about, we've talked about the Russian new main battle tank. We've talked about our main battle tank. We've talked about the North Koreans, South Koreans. Yeah. Time for the Chinese, don't you think? Well, yeah. Let's talk about the Type 99 main battle tank or it's actually a type 99a but it's the 
Type 99 series. And uh, our second point, we'll we'll get to it. You'll want to stick around for their second point. And again, please, we are just giving our opinions. At no point do we think we are, you know, magic and can foresee into the future. <laughs> so let's go ahead and get started. The fall of the USSR somewhat relieved the Chinese People Liberation Army, or the PLA as we'll call it now, of the threat of a war on its northern borders. But with the new world emerging in the 2000s, the ground forces were consistently improved and geared towards for costly main battle tanks. While quantity shifted towards cheaper wheeled vehicles, with the emphasis was put on at like export and success. Um, so they were like, you know what? We're going to make these main battle tanks, but we're going to make these wheeled vehicles, and, and we're going to export those. Uh, Russell, tell us a little bit about this tank. The ZTZ-99A tank, known as China's King of Land Battle, did appear in the military parade at the Tiananmen Square, Beijing, China, on the morning of September 3rd, 2015. This was the grand debut of the ZTZ-99A tank in China, but it made its name long before. During the peace mission of 2014 multilateral military exercises of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, or the SCO, its maneuverability, power, and speed wowed the world. Mao Ming, chief expert of China North Industries Group Corporations and chief designer of the ZTZ-99A tank, said in a recent interview that the ZTZ-99A is in a leading position in the world in terms of firepower, defense, maneuverability, and information technology. China doesn't have to worry about the former USSR. They always had problems with the Soviets. Even though they're both communist countries, they didn't get along. Mongolia, some of the other Sino-Russian war and stuff like that. And just basically, they weren't the best friends. Had a lot of the same thoughts and platforms, but they've always been proud of their country and then they should be yes you know if yeah. you if you're one of our chinese listeners at no point are we trying to say that china's got a you know weird history in fact it's got a beautiful and wonderful history that goes back centuries yeah in fact if you look at the chinese when some of our western europeans were living in caves they were developing gunpowder you know so technology they're and their people have always been wonderful. When we both worked at the college, we'd have these Chinese students. They were always polite, kind, uh, wonderful people. Yeah. So at no point do we want to say anything negative about the Chinese. Yeah. Now they don't have this former USSR. I know they have. They still have huge problems in Taiwan, uh, Vietnam, and India. But we can talk about that later. Uh, go on, Russ. The Type 99 main battle tank, or the ZTZ-99, is a Chinese third-generation main battle tank. The vehicle was a replacement for the aging Type 88 introduced in the late 1980s. The Type 99 main battle tank was China's first mass-produced third-generation main battle tank combining modular composite armor and tandem charge-defeating ERA. 125mm smoothbore gun with ATGM capability, high mobility, digital systems, and optics. The Type 99 represents a shift toward rapid modernization by the PLA. The tank entered the People's Liberation Army, or the PLA service, in 2001. The People's Liberation Army Ground Force 
is the sole operator of the Type 99. Three main versions of the Type 99 have been deployed. The Type 98 prototype, the Type 99, and the Type 99A. The Type 99's deployment has been lessened due to its high cost, with the Type 96 tank seeing service as the primary main battle tank of the PLA. See, now, I grew up in the 1980s and built a lot of tank models. I was a big tank model kid. You know, like I've always said, my, my very first model ever yeah. was the Tiger tank. And I I was in love with it. But I was always fascinated by China. Yeah. And uh, you couldn't find the Type 88 model anywhere. Yeah. Um, and I bet you could today, though. Because I wonder if it had something to do with Walmart in the uh, 1980s. It was always you know, back by then, American made. You know, back they, then. We, I don't know. We didn't have Walmart's. As say we had yeah. TGNY yeah. and Madeline, but they did not. They didn't buy as much stuff from China back then as they do today. Is it, what I'm getting at. I, I think you're correct. Yeah, and, and or maybe China didn't want to put I, that out there. I don't know. I always thought the reason that we didn't see a lot of Type 88 models back in the 80s was the demand because yeah. the people were actually wanting to get their hands on it because mm. it was kind of a rare tank yeah. to find. Yeah. I'm sorry, Russ, I got off on that. Tell us about its development. The development of China's domestic third-generation main battle tank was started in 1989. Good year. Graduated high school in 89. Under China's eighth five-year plan, in the early 1990s, China produced one of its second-generation prototypes, the Type 90-2 series. The Type 90-2 was designed by studying the T-72 tank, the chassis was to be based on the T-72's hull, but with Chinese subsystems. The Type 90-2 had a 125mm smoothbore cannon with an autoloader, modular composite armor, and a centered driver position. While the Type 90-2 series ultimately did not enter PLA service, it saw success as an export tank and was built under license in Pakistan as the Al-Khalid the Type 98 or WZ-123 was China's domestic Type 90-2 derivative. It was first seen in rehearsals for the 1999 National Day Parade and was officially revealed on October 1st of 1999. Do you know how hard it is to find video of that? That's when they were really keeping oh, the, yeah. that stuff mm-hmm. locked down. Sure. I think you can find it on YouTube. But if you have not seen one of China's national parades, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I know you sent me a link, and I, I watched that a little bit earlier, and yeah, that was incredible of watching yeah. their national day parade. That is, we'll try to put a link that that on our Facebook page. Yeah, or their victory parade yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Just incredible, the amount of military. Hardware. Hardware and, 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 and troops and, and everything that they have involved in it. See, when you watch the North Koreans... You remember I was showing you the one where they had the cardboard yeah. uh, things with the fake little rockets underneath, yeah. and and they were walk- marching those, and, and we're like, what kind of space uh, nut is that? Yeah. On the other hand, when you see the Chinese is like Type ninety nine A rolling down that, yeah, that thing, oh yeah, is a yeah. beast. Yeah. An improved version was shortly produced and was named the Type. 98G or the Type 99. An updated Type 99 model was officially introduced at the 2015 Victory Day Parade as the Type 99A. This variant had previously been used by PLA troops during the Shanghai Cooperation Organization military exercises in 
2014. You know, I don't think we've ever talked about the Shanghai uh, Cooperative Organization. And, and it's kind of like they wanted to do their own NATO or something. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. You just need to. Yeah. Do some research on it. and We yeah. might do that as a second point yeah. in an upcoming. Be pretty um, interesting, yeah. And, and like I said, we're going to put a, a uh, link to uh, like their victory parades and stuff like that. Yeah. If you haven't seen it and, and you write off the Chinese, you know, you shouldn't. Yeah. It, you should see what they've got and, and the caliber of their troops and stuff like sure. that. These soldiers... This is a little known fact. One of the students that I was talking to was a soldier because, you know, they have yeah. mandatory. Oh, yeah. But they would dress up and then they would put sewing needles in their collar to keep their chin up. Even if they got tired and they started to lower oh, their head, wow. those needles would poke them and they would keep up. That Holy is, cow. That is dedication, yeah. buddy. Yeah, that is. Well, tell us about the armament. The main armament is a two-plane stabilized 125-millimeter smoothbore gun with a carousel-style autoloader. The gun may be fired under computerized or manual control. And the tank can carry 42 rounds, including 22 in the autoloader. Whoa. Some serious firepower there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The rate of fire is eight rounds per minute using the autoloader and two rounds per minute with manual loading. <laughs> wow. I know. So they got 22 rounds in the in the magazine, and they can pop off eight in them. Man. <laughs> I'm starting to like this tank a little uh, yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. The Type 99A mounts an improved... 125 millimeter gun. The 125 millimeter gun of the Type 99 is capable of firing APF SDS-T heat rounds, frag HE rounds, and gun-launched anti-tank missiles. Man, so this thing can fire rounds that'll penetrate just about any armor, and if that doesn't work, they'll fire an anti-tank missile. Well, sure, yeah. Okay, keep going. The gun may fire a range of Chinese, Russian, and ex-Warsaw packed ammunition. The Type 99 can fire tandem-shaped charged ATGMs, or anti-tank missiles, similar to the Russian INVAR, with a range of up to about 5 kilometers. In 1998, the 9M119 ATGMSs were approved for domestic license production by Russia. So, they have these rounds that are so good now that even Russian was like, you know what? We want these rounds. Yeah. Yes. China spends tons, tons of money on research and engineering. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of these countries, and I'm looking at the United States, sometimes we don't do enough yeah. realistic testing. Yes. Yeah, I agree. The APF SDS ammunition is estimated to be able to penetrate 700 millimeters of rolled homogeneous armor at about 1,000 meters, and at least 600 to 500 millimeters of RHA at 2,000 meters. The heat ammunition is estimated to penetrate 500 millimeters of armor. The missile has a range of 5,000 meters during daylight and a range of 4,000 meters during night operation. 5,000 meters. Yeah, at 1,000 meters, it's going through 700 millimeters of RHA. Okay, holy crap, big gun. It is. Uh, okay, but I'm not sold on this thing totally yet. Tell us about what's inside, Russ. The Type 99 has hunter-killer capabilities operating an ISFCS-212 fire control system with an IR automatic target tracker. 
It is capable of firing on the move with a stabilized gunner's thermal sight and laser rangefinder. The gunner has a maximum target acquisition range of 5 kilometers. The gunner's thermal sight has optical magnification at 5 times and also at 11.4 times. The Type 99A main battle tank is equipped with the improved 1A45T fire control system, which includes a new thermal imaging scope, ballistic computer, and weather measurement sensors, thus improving ballistic trajectory under adverse conditions. The commander also has an independent panoramic sight with laser range finding function that can rotate 360 degrees. Both the gunner and commander sight is fully stabilized and capable of day or night operations. The tank is fitted with data link, global positioning system, and other form of communication devices along with an inertial navigation system as well as a battle management system used in conjunction with the data link and communication systems to coordinate combat with other forces such as aircraft and infantry. Uh, I'm sitting here listening to this. This guy, the gunner, can be going full speed in the middle of a snowstorm and tag something within five miles. Yeah. On the move. On the move. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm starting to get impressed with this Uh, tank. I know. Uh, Tell me more. The tank's welded turret is of an angular design with spaced modular armor and composite panels. I know that's a lot to to say right there, but we need to probably go into that eventually about our spaced armor and and the different styles of armor in a future episode. We really do. The frontal protection is comparable to the M1 Abrams. A plique armor consists of modular armor mentioned above and track skirts. The Type 99A may mount third-generation ERA that provides protection against tandem charge warheads. It has a nuclear, biological, and chemical protection system, as well as fire detection and suppression system. The storage baskets on the turret sides and rear are buffer spaces and are protected by ERA. The tank is also equipped with an active protection system. The driver sits in the center front of the hull. The latest Type 99A shows the driver's hatch in the center left of the hull. The suspension system consists of six rubber-tired road wheels on each side with a power sprocket at the rear. The first, second, and sixth road wheels are fitted with special hydraulic shock buffers. The Type 99A tank is powered by a 1,500-horsepower diesel engine, giving it a power-to-weight ratio of about 27.78 horsepower per ton. Before we jump too much farther, I want to go back. This thing can operate in a post-nuclear blast area. It can be uh, chemical warfare. They can shoot chemicals at it all day long. It's not going to bother it. And even biological weapons. So this is a total package. I'm impressed. Uh, Now, I know our M1 Abrams can do this. And I am sure they have had some of the technology taken from the M1 Abrams. I mean, you're talking about GPS and everything. Their battle computers. Sure. I'm getting impressed with this tank, ladies and gentlemen. The original Type 99 had a manual transmission, but later Type 99 variants have a semi-automatic transmission with six forward gears and two reverse gears. The maximum road and off-road speeds are 80 kilometers per hour and 60 kilometers per hour, respectively. The cruising range is about 500 kilometers, and the tank can be equipped with a snorkel for deep fording. With the deep fording kit, the Type 99A can cross waters up to 4.5 meters in depth. Okay, I got to stop again. This tank, it can go 80 kilometers an hour 
and fire on the move in a in a typhoon. All right, I'm getting really impressed. <laughs> and if it gets flooded, yeah, if it has a snorkel, it's fine. Yeah, exactly, wow. exactly. The tank is equipped with a laser dazzler countermeasure with a range of five kilometers, a laser warnings receiver, and 12 81 millimeter smoke grenade launchers. So it has a laser dazzler. A laser dazzler. So if, let's say you had one of the Soviet tanks with laser guidance or yeah. range finding. Range finding, yeah. When you try to lock on, it would split off this laser. So you couldn't get the proper range. Yeah. That's a pretty good anti-tank d- defense right there. It is, yeah. If it does get tagged, it gives you a warning. Like, yeah. hey, hey, you're being painted with a laser. Mm, sure. Even if it was like uh, some of our uh, tactical acquisition gear, some of our uh, rangers have laser systems where they will point a laser rifle at a tank yeah. and be in coordination with the air support. So if this guy's out here trying to lock on, this laser dazzler throws it off, and then if the air, you know, the airplane's coming by or helicopters come by, yeah. they throw out these eighty-one millimeter smoke grenades and smoke them. Yeah, they can't see through it. I mean, to tell I you, know, yeah. I'm pretty impressed with this thing. I know. The Type 99A is equipped with the JD-3 infrared jammer that is located at the base of the barrel. The jammer is able to interfere with anti-tank guided missiles. Okay. Wow. Uh, This baby is no Abrams, but still pretty sexy. Infrared, you know, the guys are like, okay, we can't lock on. Our aircraft can't lock on. Yeah. With lasers, we're going to go to infrared. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Jam that too. Uh, This is a pretty sexy tank. I'm starting to like this tank a lot. It's definitely tops the line for them. What direction can you go from here? I mean, what else can you put on these suckers to... I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting and, the next several years to see what direction tanks go. And in researching this tank, uh, from what I understand, it's as easy to drive as a car. Yeah. It has shock absorbers, and they're like, when you get in this thing, it's got a semi-automatic uh, driving system. You're not sitting there yeah. like the old World War Two yeah. jamming gears. Man. This is doing it all for yourself. Yeah. Remember some of the first tanks we covered about the uh, shoulder tapping way of driving tanks? Yeah, where you had to <laughs> kick the guy, you know? Right, Charlie. Kick you in the right there. <laughs> and then you turned right. Uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, l- listen to our past yeah, episodes. Yeah, the uh, FT-17 episode. Yeah, that yeah. was interesting. Russell, I know you've covered a lot of the stats, but can you go over them again? Oh, yeah. This particular tank has been in service. Uh, the Type 99 started in 2001, and the Type 99A was in ser- has been in service from 2011 to present day. Manufactured by Norinco. Dang, don't Nor- they make razors or something? Yeah. No, that's uh, Norelco. Oh, Norelco. But oh, Norinco yeah. okay. does make a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's crazy. The Type 98 has been produced from 1998 to 2001. The Type 99 was produced between 2001 and 2011. And the Type 99A has been produced from 2007 to present day. Well, how many did they build? They built about 890. They got 890 of these killers? That we know about. Uh, uh, Okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The mass of the Type 99 
was 54 tons, and the mass of the Type 99A is about 58 tons. So they put another four tons of equipment on this thing. Wow. The whole length is about 7 meters or 23 feet. A big tank. Yep. The whole width is about 3.7 meters or 12 feet, and the whole height is about 2.37 meters or 7.7 feet. Are you serious? That, that is a low down. That's a lot of equipment in seven and yeah. well over seven and a half feet high. Well, how many crew can they stick in this thing? It's got a crew of three. It just goes to show you how much everything's that much more automated today than some of the tanks that took four or five crew members to run. Or, or the Lee that had, yeah. what, nine or oh, something like that. Man. And the armor is actually still classified. It's anticipated to be welded turret with applique and modular composite slash reactive armor. So so you're not going to blast no, through it? Probably not. The main armament is a 125mm ZPT-98 smoothbore gun. What about its second armament? Does it have a couple of machine guns? Yeah, it's got a Type 85 heavy machine gun, a Type 59 7.62mm coaxial machine gun. So they have a machine gun on the barrel yeah, for, you know, anti-entropy. Yeah. And then they have this big, you know, uh, 85 heavy machine gun My. for low-flying air- aircraft. Yeah. Wow. What kind of engines is this thing rolling? It's got a 1500 HB liquid-cooled V12 twin-turbo diesel engine at 33.9 liters and pumps out about 1500 horsepower. <laughs> so what's its power to weight power to weight ratio is 27.78 horsepower per ton uh, that's really good oh yeah and it's got a torsion bar suspension well what's its operational range operational range is about 600 kilometers or 370 miles yeah, on normal roads yeah normal roads and or no on rough roads I rough, guess. yeah yeah and about 800 kilometers to 500 miles on your regular roads you know what i bet we got that wrong I bet it's 800 kilometers on smooth road and uh, 600 yeah. off-road. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that's from my error, but 600 kilometers yeah. on rough road yeah, and then 800 cruising at 80 kilometers uh, an hour. Yeah, uh, you know what? This thing can go. Yeah, All right. It can. And we've already discussed that it goes Max 80 kilometers. Yeah. And for us here in the United States, that's 50 miles an hour. Yeah. I think that's faster than our good. Abrams. Yeah. Pretty good. So off-road, it's doing at least 60, which is 37. Yeah, 37 miles per hour. So. Okay. Uh, you know what? Hats off to China. Your tank, it's pretty sexy. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty sexy. Me and Russ feel that we need to say this. Now, before we jump to the second part, we would like to state for the record that Russ nor I are making any predictions uh, about the future. We have gathered information on the current tensions in the world and are making a hypothetical guess on the next big tank battle in the world. At no point do we support either side, nor do we advocate war. And our thoughts on the Indian T-90 tanks uh, facing off against the T-99A tanks, we just don't, we hope that never happens. Now, that being said, we are going to talk about the Tank Battle 2021 that could happen. We hope that it doesn't. Russell, go ahead. India has deployed its Russian-made T-90 tanks against Chinese forces in the disputed border region of Ladakha. 
But moving 45-ton tanks in a mountainous region with poor roads and bridges comes with its own challenges. The Indian armor has been stationed at the desolate outpost of Dalet Beg Uldi, which lies at an altitude of about 16,000 feet and features one of the world's highest airfields. The outpost is a few miles from the Chinese border and just south of the strategic Karkaram Pass, which India fears could be an invasion route for Chinese troops occupying the Aksai-Chin area. We're just telling you that India has one of the world's largest airfields at that elevation there. They've moved up their tanks, and the tensions have been bad. In the past, they've shot at each other. Things are really tense right up there. So we want to be careful, you know, saying we're not trying to ignite anything. We're just saying that's what's there right now. Yes. With the Chinese People's Liberation Army deploying close to 50,000 troops in Aksai Chin, the Indian Army, for the first time, has deployed a squadron of T-90 missile-firing tanks, armored personnel carriers, and a full troop brigade of 4,000 men at Dalat Beg Oldi to prevent any Chinese aggression from the Shakshgam Korkaram Pass Axis, according to the Hindustan Times, citing top Indian military commanders. You know, when I was doing the research, I had to pull up uh, this Hindustan Times, and I'm telling you, trying to find a, oh, in, a wow. English version English version of it yeah. was rough, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, man. Go, go ahead, Russ. While tempers appear to have cooled somewhat as Chinese and Indian troops disengage, both sides have sent in reinforcements. Significantly, China and India are sending tanks to the Himalayas, a vast mountain range that includes Mount Everest, and a harsh climate, arduous for both humans and vehicles. We're talking 19,000 elevation. That's crazy. Do you remember, yeah. we, me and Russ had went to the Grand Tetons, and at the bottom of the mountain, it was hot. It was in the hundreds. Yeah. In fact, I had contacted my sister back in Kansas City, and it was like 107. Do you remember when we went up to the thing, what, we were at eight? 89 or 9,000 feet. Yeah, right around there. In, in a blizzard hit. Yeah. We were in the middle of a blizzard. Yes. We We have pictures of me <laughs> sitting out there like a dum-dum next to this sign, elevation this feet. And, and, and the park ranger, remember, talked to us and uh, said, hey, if you guys can get out, now would be the time because yeah. this is going to be snowed over for a couple of days. So operating at 19,000 feet in that kind of cold, tell us more. Man. Though lighter than the 70-ton U.S. M1A2 Abrams, Russia's 45-ton T-90 main battle tank, essentially a modernized Cold War T-72, is significantly heavier than the Type 99 tank. While Chinese Type 99 tanks have yet to see combat, Russian T-90s have fought in Syria, with at least one being badly damaged by a U.S.-made tow anti-tank missile fired by Syrian rebels. I think we have talked about that in a yeah. previous episode, too. So, basically, some of our export missiles are tearing up these T-90s. Yeah. Okay, if you fire T-90 at um, this Type 99A, number one, it'll probably, with the laser dazzler and yeah. the infrared jammer, you might not hit it. And if you do, its reactive yeah. armor is going to stop it. Exactly. Okay, that's pretty bad. Keep going. India has customized its variant, the T-90S Bishma, 
with non-rushing gear such as a French thermal imaging system. On the other hand, India's 1000 T90s have superior firepower and armor protection. You remember, we're getting this from a Indian newspaper. Yeah. We have researched the T90 Bisham, and we've talked right now about the T99. Yeah. If they actually believe that, they are sadly mistaken. This T99A is a vast superior tank. Yeah. Like I said, I read the rep- I've read a report from the U.S. based National Bureau of Asian Research. It's a think tank. If you want to research more on this, and again, we're not trying to say anything negative. We're saying I'm reporting what this National Bureau of Asian Research, this think tank, believes that the Indian T90s are there as a warning to Beijing that Chinese territory is vulnerable or Indian counteroffensive. They are not there to defend Indian territory, but to, to threaten Chinese territory. This has long been Indian doctrine, to threaten a punishing reprisal against China, ideally to strengthen India's hand and disengagement negotiations, or in worst case, to actually try to seize Chinese territory as a bargaining chip for to reverse Chinese incursion. So what this think tank is saying is India's putting all these troops and tanks and up there and saying, China, you're vulnerable and we can push in any time. Okay. When we take this, any, any big trouble there, India knows that the UN and all the world is going to come news media and everybody is going to come and they're going to say, Oh, we need, we need peace. We need peace. And they can use that as a bargaining chip. What they are doubting is Chinese, how do I say this? Chinese will to fight. Okay. Uh, I, I don't believe China ever wants war. But if you put that many troops uh, up there, now they say India's looking at the United States saying, well, look what you do in Taiwan and Japan. You know, you have these big naval exercises in China, you know, and you guys work out. And I think China's are still our number one trade partner or, some, or used to be. Yeah. So India's thinking we can do this. You are not the United States. We do a lot of stupid stuff because we got a ton of nukes. And, 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 you know, right now we're kind of a superpower. You know, we're the big kid on the block. But China is coming up. Oh, yeah, they are. And and they're not kidding around anymore. Yeah, yeah. And and if you start poking them too hard, you you might be in a world of trouble. If I was an Indian general or, or policymaker, I wouldn't be using this doctrine. Man, yeah, that's... Sounds pretty crazy. Now, you said that you were talking to me earlier that they had actually, China and India had had a couple of blows. Uh, tell us about that. Chinese and Indian troops engaged in several mass fistfights in June of 2020 in the disputed Galwan River Valley, resulting in 20 Indian deaths and dozens of Chinese casualties. Both nations fought in a brief war over Ladakh in 1962, in which China defeated poorly prepared Indian forces. Chinese now appear to be pushing against the demarcation line in response to India building a new highway to sustain its forces in the area. We're, we're talking recently, we, we called fist fights, yeah. but it was actually a firefight. Yeah. 
and these guys are shooting bullets at each other and tensions are high. One big mistake, you know, somebody fires one of these yeah. missiles or something like oh, that. Yeah. The, this place is going to turn into a nightmare. Yeah. And this is current. They're building up as we speak. While I was studying up on my book, I hope to write about the 1965 Indian Pakistan war. I found out that this isn't the first time that Indian has deployed tanks to Lakamar. Uh, during the 19, during the 1960 war, India airlifted my French made AMX 13 light tanks, uh, aboard, uh, Soviet made, uh, AN 12 transport planes. So in 1962, they, they, airlifted these yeah. tanks up there. Yeah. And of course the AMX 13, you know, was up there cruising around and saying, come get some. You look at 1962 China yeah. to 2021 China, it's a huge leap. Oh yeah. A huge leap. Yeah. You're talking at 19,000 feet uh, or the roof of the world or whatever. Uh, tell us about some of the operating problems that they're having up there. The freezing temperature and ratified air at 15,000 feet noted one Indian news account. The machines, however, face more problems than the men. Low operating pressure and ratified air created problems in the cooling systems of the tanks, and the freezing temperature affected the efficiency of their engines, which raises the obvious question of how useful tanks will be in a mountainous area and with very poor roads one of the most difficult places on earth for tanks to operate. The thin air and temperatures in the region can plunge to 50 degrees below zero Fahrenheit, an Indian Army colonel told India's Indy TV in 2016. Indian tanks must use special fuel and lubricants at least twice every night, and the engines must be revved up to keep the tank systems from freezing. At least twice a night. Yeah. They got to re-grease these things because the grease is already froze. So they got to dig all that out and put in something fresh. Man. And, and break it loose and warm it up to keep the tank from totally freezing and being totally useless. I, I'm telling you, I bet the Type 99A doesn't have that problem. Yeah. Absolutely. At 2,000 or what, 15,000 yeah. feet? Can you imagine the cold mm. and the lack of oxygen? Yeah. You know, there's people that climb Everest and stuff like that and die. And they're, they've got plain old grunts and tanks out there. But even in the mountains, tanks still offer something unique, a big, heavily armored mobile cannon that can deliver far more firepower than what a foot soldier can carry on his back. Modern vehicles like the T-90 also have thermal sights and other advanced sensors to spot targets at night and in fog. While there will be no armored blitzkriegs in the Himalayas, tanks can provide invaluable fire support to infantry. On the other hand, in restricted terrain, tanks will need the infantry to protect them from manned portable anti-tank rockets. Should more clashes erupt in Ladakha, Type 99As may occasionally battle T-90s, but in the Himalayan mountains, nicknamed the Roof of the World, the biggest danger to Chinese and Indian tanks isn't the enemy, it's the climate. Wow, what a nightmare. We Like we said at the beginning, we hope this never happens. If you look at our history, from a famous movie I, I like to watch, the doom of men is to forget their history. You are building a, a highway. Now, I'm not talking about a highway, you know, where we could take our little cruising cars and go to the store. They are making a major 
highway that will support military vehicles. Sure. All the way up to this biggest Air Force yeah. base at that altitude. Yeah. And they're bringing in tanks and yeah. they're bringing in guys. Yeah. That is an obvious, you know, provocation. Yeah. Now, the Chinese have built up, and they, and I'm not saying India doesn't have reason to worry, and I'm not saying China hasn't reason to worry. I'm saying when you're that close in the mountains and tanks are sending out their laser tracking, because you know that these guys mess with each other. Sure. They're going to light up a tank with a laser, and like we said, the Type 99 has that whole laser-finding alarm. Yeah. They're going to know they're lit. One mistake, and that could turn into a big mess, uh, yeah. uh, just a nightmare. Sure. But these T-90s, I'm going to do some research, and, and we'll talk about the T-90 variant Indy has. It's really hard to find anything on them. And you talked about highways, too. It'd be interesting to kind of do a, I know you don't really think history, military history, and roads. But even our highway network here in the United States, I mean, we can talk about the, was it Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, who came up with the interstate system Yeah, in the United States for the whole purpose. People don't realize that the interstate highway system in the United States was designed for the whole purpose of moving military around our country. And if you would look to see how deep the concrete is on some of these Right. Four-lane interstate highways, it is incredible. You're a Chinese general, and you see from your satellites and everything yeah. that they're building this heavy-duty oh, yeah. military highway straight yeah. up there. Yeah. And, and this area has been in dispute for thousands of years. Yeah. It, it, I think it was used to the Spice Road uh, by Marco Polo mm. and all those guys. They tracked all this. Man. You're talking about paths that were you know, thousands of years old. Yeah. Now they're building a super highway plus the airport and they're going to start bringing in more jets, mm. more tanks in, in 2021. If they are not careful, our next big tank battle could be the Chinese and, and the Indians. What, what a scary episode. I know, you know, it was a good episode. Yeah. Uh, I think we have Patreon stuff. We got to do our closing and stuff. I think we've been talking for a while. Kind of a long episode. Uh, we apologize for taking up a lot of time. We keep talking and we, we jumped off stuff. But uh, we have some Patreon shout outs to do. And, and But we appreciate everybody that tuned in. If you are wanting to join our Patreon, we will give you a shout out. Because right now, if you can't hear uh, in our podcast, if you play our first uh, podcast to this podcast, the sound has improved so much oh, with yes. new microphones, new yeah, software, yeah. new equipment. And I'll be honest with you, before Christmas, I'm probably about halfway there, but I am really excited for what's coming for our podcast and what, what we're going to be able to, capable of actually doing. Um, we'll be able to kind of take the, I guess, so to say, the show on the road. My whole goal for probably since I've, we started all this, yep. was to actually get some interviews of some folks, you know, that's actually been involved with tanks. It, people have came to us and said, why don't you just hook up Zoom or, you know, yeah. uh, Skype yeah. and, and just talk to them. Yeah. Because we want to get yeah. the best quality. Yeah. Sure, we can Zoom get- and Skype are not really known for their great quality, depending on everybody involves internet 
access and connection. Absolutely. It drops out a lot, and I just don't want to degrade the quality of the of the audio that much. It it, it really affects the and the reason we the do our show and the reason we do our Patreon shout outs is because these are the people yes. that have put their hard earned money to help us improve yes. the show and expand the show. Yes. And you guys are amazing and we're going to keep doing it. Yeah. And so if you've ever thought about joining our Patreon or helping us out, please do. Cause we are good. I, I don't see any oh, closing. Man. Yeah. No, I, I've still got 10 episodes yeah. that I'm working on. I know. I know. So we're not going anywhere. So yeah, we're not going anywhere. Well, I, what next episode is number sixty? Yeah, number sixty, and we going on well over two years now. So yeah, we're starting our third year. Yeah, because so, we started in what two thousand nineteen. Uh, yeah. And then yeah, and yeah. now it's two thousand twenty one. Yep. Wow, three years, sixty episodes. I know. Yeah, we started in twenty nineteen, June of twenty nineteen. Wow, because that's when. Well, that, yeah, we would have been probably right before that, but yep. yeah. Wow. Cause there's been a couple of our Patreon supporters. that has been with us from the start. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Rick. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, we want to give out to, uh, episode to Kim, Eric Schreier, Kim and Eric. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Riley, um, VB. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very cool. And of course we talked about Jacob earlier. Yep. Jacob Pazaki. Thank you, brother. Of course, Razbaz. Razbaz, still with us. High brother. five to him. Uh, Evan. Yep. And your personal friend. Antonio Bernarda. Yep. And uh, Slam Jamington. Alejandro Martinez. And Bjorn Ben. We got to get down oh, and see I him. I know. We will. I <laughs> promise. This, this is a guy that not. not we haven't like, forgot about you. This is a guy, not only does he support the channel. I know. But he's like, time. come down and drive a leopard. Yeah. How cool is that? I know. Uh, ODS Theron and who else? And Rick Smith. Yeah. He's the man. He is. Well, I, I think we're done for this episode. Yeah. So uh, our next episode will be well into January. Yeah. Of 2021. Yep, yep. Again, uh, happy new year to you guys. And we hope 2021 is a blessed year. We uh, wish the best to everybody. Yes, we do. Well, and this is Charlie. And this is Russell. As always, happy tanking. And have a great week.